Welcome to Porcelain Peak, a strange and scary podcast covering all things horror and science fiction. All right. Thanks again for that intro, Constance. As she said, I am Anthony, and I am joined by John and Anthony, who is still in Tennessee. How are we doing this week, fellas? Um, well, as you said, I'm still stuck in Tennessee. Um, but thankfully, it's only going to be a couple more days, and then I can be back in town and back in the old podcasting room. Uh, right now, it is... A huge weight off my shoulders to know I'm only here for a couple more days because, man, <laughs> California rocks. I've heard that. Yeah, I agree. How you doing, John? I'm doing all right. Uh, uh, today is my Friday-ish, uh, so I'm enjoying uh, being able to have a couple days off and relax, recharge the old batteries and such. Yeah, that sounds good to me. I love a good weekend. All right, well. Since we're all doing so good, we'll go ahead and jump into this week's episode. So for part one, we are going to be doing two-sentence horror stories. We have some originals that we wrote for this occasion, and we found some online that we thought were pretty creepy, and so we're going to share those with you guys as well. The second part of the episode is going to be a continuation of our 31 Tarot So this week we watched seven Halloween episodes of various TV shows, some that were nostalgia, some that we hadn't seen, and some that were just a good time. So can't wait to dive in and talk to you guys about that. As a special treat, John has a little game that we're going to play a little bit later in the episode, so look forward to that. But first, let's jump into some news. <laughs> Starting off this week, I wanted to present you guys with the news that they are remaking Rabid, which is an old Cronenberg movie that I think we talked about on the show, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so the Saska sisters are doing that. So at least it's somebody who's familiarized with the genre and knows what they're doing that's uh, helming this project. So I thought that was pretty cool. I liked the take of the original where it was kind of this weird infection and this kind of like sexualized, you know, what we do to our bodies has repercussions. And I feel like it was a little bit ahead of its time. I think it's one of the things that we talked about in the episode. And so I'll be interested to see if they're able to recreate that for a more modern world and how it connects with current culture you know what i mean you're you're saying there was a cronenberg movie where it talked about what happens to our bodies and it was weird i don't believe you <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was really out of left field for him <laughs> he doesn't have a pigeonhole this like style at all or anything <laughs> we're talking about the fucking rebate guys i mean you think it's just a money grab at this point or just for the fuck of it maybe it was something close to them I honestly don't know. I think that with Cronenberg, I think that he's a fairly untouchable type of 
horror icon. So I think that if you're going to make a move in that direction, similar to how with the Suspiria remake, we had that, like, that really genre-changing type of film, you know, where they didn't really do anything in that Giallo style or anything. They were somebody who was close to the film as far as, like, emotionally is concerned and made something different. And I think that that would be the way to go to make this work right. I don't know if that's how it'll go, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I haven't actually seen the original movie, um, the Cronenberg movie, so I can't speak much to, like, I can get angry fanboy about it. All I can say is that <laughs> Cronenberg is known for a, a very specific style. Um, his body horror, his practical effects are what make those movies so great. And like John was saying, if they're going to remake it, they're going to have to do something like Cronenberg did remaking The Fly, where they go in a completely different direction. And I feel like you lo you'll lose a lot. I mean, if you're taking a Cronenberg movie and you're going in a different direction, I don't even know what that means. But <laughs> if it like because if it's a Cronenberg movie, it has a very specific direction. And a lot of the time people watch his movies because of that uh, that direction. And so, I mean... It sounds to me like something we'll probably find in a bargain bin or go, it'll go straight to streaming. It'll be, it'll, it'll be on Shudder. It'll be on Netflix's cesspool of horror movies. But, I mean, I'll keep tabs on it now that I know that it exists and check it out. I mean, that's what we're around to do. So Yeah, definitely. Maybe we can do a side-by-side -side like we've done previously. Maybe it'll be tight. Never know. So um, a movie that we talked about, I'd say, like a few months ago, uh, it's A24's next release, uh, In Fabric. So some of the early reviews are out for that now. It is a 95 certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Nice. And they say that it's in similar to uh, the old Giallo style films. It has that kind of like weird balance of like people from different countries and people who speak different languages and just this really bright, colorful style. If you've seen the images from the film, I mean, it's about a red dress. I mean, it pretty much lends itself to that style of filmmaking. So I'm really excited. I mean, A24 just continues to be a force in indie filmmaking, smaller budget filmmaking, and specifically in horror. Yeah, they seem to kill it with horror. Yeah, definitely. If I see a movie come out and it's a horror movie and it has that stamp on it, then I'm already interested. Yeah, and I think I've seen just posters for it and it... I knew it was A24, and that's really all it takes to get me excited is a good poster <laughs> yeah. and the A24 stamp. So um, I was going to check it out having no idea that it was about anything, not even a red dress. So um, now that I know it's getting good reviews, I'm not at all surprised, and I will definitely be there as soon as it decides to wander around somewhere near us because that's the only trade-off with some of those A24 movies is that sometimes we do not get them around us unless they show up at our local art house or something like that. Yeah, we kind of had to go out of our way to see uh, Midsummer, and I was really excited about that. Yeah, so I'm hoping that um, because it does have a lot of positive early buzz, it's something that we get uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, so um, I had two two stories. The first one's pretty short uh, for news this week. It's um, I don't know if you guys have seen any of the, the uh, teasers or trailers for this new movie coming out called countdown the one yes. where there's the app that tells you when you're gonna die um it looks like very bottom of the barrel garbage i love the tagline um, the tagline is dope what is it yeah the tagline is um death there's an app for that <laughs> that's a little old but it's still tight though <laughs> but it's exactly it's exactly what the story is about because it turns out that there was actually a bit of an issue with the fact that there was an app for that oh, um fuck. so 
Apple actually recently within the past couple of days pulled an app down that had gone straight to number one free apps on the app store. It surpassed TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram as number one downloaded app, um, which was an app that people were sharing because it told you when you were going to die. Um, it's not 100% clear why Apple pulled it down. It sounds like it may have been some sort of copyright issue. It could have also just been because it's kind of a macabre thing to be posting on your social media. Um, but it turns out that the app wasn't actually originally designed by the promoters or the studio. It was designed by um, this guy named Ryan Boiling. Um, he was a, Brit a young British developer who just saw the trailer and decided to make an app. Um, so after all of the, you know, press around the app being pulled down, the studio actually partnered with him and the app was re-released and backed by the studio on Android. So it's still available for any Android users out there if they want to see. I mean, it does have a disclaimer that says, don't take this shit seriously, <laughs> but it, ex you know, people still like to take that stuff and go, ooh, spooky and post it all over the place. So but you know Apple and their terms and, and all that about the App Store. They're very, very controlling about it. So I'm not surprised it didn't have a long life. Um, its countdown was obviously pretty short Is that... <laughs> uh, when it came to living on the App Store. Is that something that you guys would do if it was available? Um, I think I would download it just to check it out. But I think for me, the reason why it was probably pulled down was because they could see a lot of people downloading the app. And then if it was a really short time frame... Like, if it's someone who's potentially mentally ill, it could be a reason that they may be in their life. That sort of a thing. Yeah, and some people were saying that it's something to do with the fact that the app was... Um, it didn't meet some guidelines for being complex enough for an App Store app. Like, it was very, very simple. But apparently it could do things like mess with your ringtone, uh, activate your flashlight, play music. So it could do, like, creepy stuff to your phone. That's fucking tight. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's something that if it were still available... For any of us iOS users, I would definitely check it out. But I mean, it would, knowing me, it would probably say something like, you're going to die in 80 years. And I'd be like, well, no shit. I already knew that. I got to prove it wrong. Now I'm going to go skydive without a parachute. Right? Like, if it said, like, tomorrow, then I'd be like, okay, well, at least I can, that'll bring some excitement to my day is thinking, like, <laughs> hey, how, 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 you know. <laughs> You can say your goodbyes. Yeah, how is it going to happen? You know, I could play it up for a day and get some attention. Um, but yeah, that's that news story. Pretty short, pretty sweet. But um, the bigger news story that I had that I thought was actually super interesting, um, especially when we're looking to put together a list of probably our 31 terror tales for next year, is that IndieWire actually posted an article of favorite horror movies from uh, 30 or more directors. And um, so it, it goes, it's anyone from um, Robert Eggers who did like The Witch and, and is doing The Lighthouse. He's on here listing Nosferatu. Each uh, little listing has a blurb about why it's their favorite horror movie. So you have um, Josephine Decker uh, listed the new Suspiria as uh, her favorite horror movie. You have Del Toro on here with a movie called Eyes Without a Face. Um, Quentin Tarantino Quentin Tarantino said Audition, which is a movie that I've been meaning to check out. Scorsese said The Innocence, which I haven't seen. So there's a lot that are on here. Edgar Wright said a movie called Dead of Night. Um, and then you have people like David Lowry, who I talked about because he, he did a ghost story. Um, he listed Hereditary. Um, and then Ari Aster, who did Midsummer, which we just talked about, listed a movie called Climax that I heard was actually really good that I haven't checked out either. So I was just kind of scrolling through this list. There's more and more on here, obviously. Um, Jordan Peele lists Misery. Um, 
Jennifer Kent, who did the Babadook. Um, she has the Texas Chainsaw Massacre listed. So you have a lot of really, really, really good. Um, and then uh, Luco, who did Suspiria, listed Cronenberg's The Fly, speaking of Cronenberg. Um, so you have a lot of really good ones on here. Sam Raimi listed Night of the Living Dead. I'm just scrolling through here, and I'm seeing there's a lot of really, really good ones on here, but a lot that I haven't seen. You have Nolan listing Alien. But um, I think it would be a good list to go through if we were looking for or anyone's looking for ideas of what to watch when the next spooky season comes, or if they're looking to, to shove a few more movies they haven't seen into, uh, you know, the last half of, of October that we have, there's a lot of good recommendations on here and these little blurbs that tell you, you know, this is why this director chose it. Um, so I thought that was something that was, was really interesting to see what spooks these big directors and not just horror directors. Yeah. We'll drop the link for that on our, uh, post on porcelainpeak.com when we drop the podcast notes for this yeah definitely i think it's something that people would be really interested in checking out and when i saw it i was i clicked the link immediately and was scrolling through so yeah i mean there's a lot more on here to read um and i definitely think that it's something that i want to check out and that anybody who's listening is going to want to take a peek at i think it's always interesting too to see those people who are horror directors take inspiration like i was even um reading that uh, Del Toro lists the director of um, an upcoming movie that we have on our list, uh, The Changeling. He lists that director as his mentor, and he says they took a lot of his inspiration in directing his early horror films from The Changeling specifically. So, I mean, it's always cool to see and take those threads from those older movies and tie them onto these newer movies and kind of create a serial killer web of um, <laughs> connections between all of your favorite horror movies and directors. Cool. Do you guys have any other news that you wanted to share? Or are we ready to move on? Not that I'm off the top of my head. Yeah, I think that wraps it up for me. Well, since we're all done with the news, that brings on our next segment, which is the trivia. Trivia. Here's how we play. I ask a question. If you get it right, Steve lives. Come on, it'll be fun. It's an easy category. Be trivia. Give you a warm-up question. The first clue is from a 1963 thriller, and the quote is, Have you ever seen so many seagulls? What do you suppose it is? Is it the birds? It is the birds <laughs> for four points. All right. 1968 thriller. No two pregnancies are ever alike. Is it Rosemary's Baby? It is indeed Rosemary's Baby for four points. Nice. Damn, nailed it. All right, Anthony, you have a 2007 horror flick, and your first clue is tie this around your waist. It'll let us know you ha at least got 300 feet. The Mist? It is The Mist. Oh, fuck. I was thinking of that or The Descent. Yeah. I was like, damn it, we shouldn't have talked so much about Mist this week. <laughs> 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 I would have been mad if I missed that one. Oh, oh. my God. You let yourself out. That's getting cut. No, no, it's That's not. staying in. <laughs> this whole question, this whole conversation. The next clue is going to be from a 1986 sci-fi. And the quote is, have you ever heard of insect politics? Neither have I. Is it the fly? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Coincidental, because we just talked about that movie. The stars are aligning. Damn, so that's eight points for you, yeah, huh? That is. Trying to get that crown back. I am. 
Don't worry, he invented a new game just in case he loses this one. <laughs> well, I'm not even playing that one. All right. I have a 1999 fantasy. Ooh, the fantasies always get me. Go ahead. Know this. This creature is the bringer of death. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm going to have to go for another clue. Another clue. This one's going to make you uh, slap your knees in frustration. Brendan Fraser, as an adventurer, High Priest Emotep. You, uh... you must not read from the book. <laughs> <laughs> this is cursed. Uh, it's it's got to be the mummy. It is the mummy. God damn it! I I am I'm slapping my knee. <laughs> Slap that knee. Uh, I love that movie. Looks like you're on the wrong side of the river. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Benny, the worst character ever. Every time I see that actor in a different movie, which is like one time that I've seen him in a different movie, I'm like, <laughs> fuck, I'm like, fucking Benny. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Benny, dude. All right. It's cool. I, I've written off Nick Nolte's entire career because he was in Cape Fear. <laughs> Piano wire. <laughs> and fucking like, I, every time I see him, I'm just like, game over. Sorry, this movie's garbage. <laughs> All right, Anthony, you got a 1984 comedy, and your clue is maybe now you'll never slime a guy with a positron, a positron collider, huh? Ghostbusters! Yep, you nailed it. You guys have a 1984 science fiction film. Your, okay. your clue is you still don't get it, do you? He'll find her. That's what he does. That's all he does. Yeah, I got nothing. I'm flabbergasted at this. So your characters are... Kyle Reese and Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor. Oh, Terminator fuck. two. Nope. Oh, it's one. It's really two minutes. <laughs> I lost. Go ahead, say it. It's the Terminator. <laughs> it is the Terminator. Damn it! I should have stopped. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I, I thought you were going to get it on the first clue, but that one actually is a little bit difficult. But I mean, once you get those characters, it's in the bag. Yeah, it's... Son of a bitch. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, well, that's going to round out <laughs> trivia. <laughs> you might have some chance for redemption later. Uh, good job on getting the crown back, John. Solid win this week. Um, yes, yeah, so that is really going to wrap it up for Trivia News. If you enjoyed that segment, then hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode. All right, so now we are going to get into our main dish. I know this steak doesn't exist. I know that when I put it in my mouth, the Matrix is telling my brain that it is juicy and delicious. After nine years, you know what I realize? Ignorance is bliss. All right, so we're going to start off this week with some two-sentence horror stories. Again, some originals and some from the internet that we found that were particularly creepy. So the first one I found comes from Reddit, and it is by the user Shape81. And theirs is, I was video chatting and dropped my phone on the floor. As I picked it up, my husband's face changed. He held his hands to his lips as if saying, be quiet. And to my horror, he wrote, there's a man under your bed. Oh, That's shit. 
I got two beds. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. I got two beds in this hotel room, so that's... As I would say, there's a man on, under both of them. Yeah. It's <laughs> the <Just say> man. <laughs> don't, don't make promises you guys can't keep. Oh, <laughs> We miss you, too. All right. And then the other one that I found, again, from Reddit, comes from user... My... Sharona? <laughs> I can't. My pizzy rips. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to that user. It's M Y P Z Y R P Z. Whatever. Anyway, theirs is. They say a shiver down your spine means that someone's walking over your future burial site. As my husband walks around outside gardening, the shivers won't stop. Ooh, Ooh. that's a good one. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, me too. All right. And then uh, you want to do some of the ones that you found or one or two of the ones you found? Are you talking to me? Anthony? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the first one that I have is, uh, I got these both off of a site called thought catalog. Um, that had a list. The first one is from user, just another muffled Voe. And the story is I begin tucking him into bed and he tells me, daddy check for monsters under the bed. I look underneath for his amusement and see him another him under the bed, staring back at me, quivering and whispering, daddy, there's somebody on my bed. That's pretty good. I love that one. Yeah, I've heard that one before, and that one is fucking creepy. Yeah, I think that's like a classic in the in the uh, two sentence horror story rounds. <laughs> um, and then the uh, second one that I have is by user Gaggage, and the story is: the doctors told the amputee he might experience a phantom limb from time to time. Nobody prepared him for the moments, though, when he felt cold fingers brush against his phantom hand. That one is definitely creepy. Yes. And and the reason that I wanted to do this, and I think that it's pretty cool just in general, is because it's crazy how you can make somebody feel something like shivers or chills from two sentences. Mm -hmm. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a challenge, too, which we'll get into about when it came to writing our own. But it's definitely a challenge to try to get that reaction uh, writing your own. All right. So then, John, instead of finding some on the internet he decided to make a little game do you want to do that now or you want to do it later i'll do it now okay so we're gonna go ahead and play we're gonna play a little game <laughs> <laughs> so in the effort to get myself into the mood to write something for myself i did a little exercise and i took the concept from some horror films some established horror films and i made two sentence horror stories out of them and we're gonna play a little guessing game Oh, okay. That's cool. So I have three of them total. Um, we'll do our best to make sure that we can try to keep the timing right, so that way if you guys jump in and guess, that people are getting the proper credit for knowing what they're talking about. The first one. The excitement had proven to be too much for his frail heart to take, and he fell to the floor dead. She tried to shake her hands loose in a panic, but the binds would not break as loneliness began to set in. Stump me on this one. Any guesses, Tone? I mean, unless the binds are her face being stuck to somebody's ass, um, which would mean the human centipede. No, I don't have any guesses. <laughs> so this is the plot of Gerald's game. Oh, oh yeah, that's a good one. That's another right. um, uh, Flanagan, Flanagan shenanigan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we do love those Flanagan shenanigans oh, around here. Shit. <laughs> All right, maybe this one will be a little easier for y'all to get. 
Surrounded by freshly disturbed earth, Tommy tried to rid himself of the monster from his dreams by stabbing it through the heart. An errant bolt of lightning struck the rod, awakening the beast from his long slumber as Tommy's nightmares of death were fully realized. So I know it's Friday the 13th. I just don't know which one it is. Is it Jason? <laughs> do, you know the su- do you know the subtitle? It's... Uh, New Beginning. It's Jason Lives. Um, it's Jason Lives. Hey. Okay. <laughs> is that seven? It's either six or seven. Nice. Cool. All right, the last one. This is to hopefully tie it. So did you write these? I wrote these. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. She awoke from her reoccurring nightmare in the same familiar bed that was not hers. In her heart, she knew that her killer would strike again tonight, and her escape was just as futile. Happy Death Day! It is Happy Death Day! Nice. Nice. Uh, Part two is on HBO now. I'm ready to check it out. It's my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) And I ain't gotta pick up the phone. All right, so now what we'll do is we'll go around and give you guys our original originals, not based on any movies or any other stories. These are ones we wrote specifically for the podcast. So my first one is, look at all these teeth I have, he said with a grin. Then he showed me the necklace as he squeezed the pliers around my incisor. That's creepy. (laughs) That one made me grind my teeth. Right? Okay. And then the other one, as the rusty scalpel made its way toward my quivering eye, I held my breath. Terrified, I knew it was the only way to stop seeing the spirits. Ooh. Mm. I See, this is interesting because I like that uh, the direction that you went with both of your stories um, as opposed to the direction I went with both of mine. Um, so my first story is... I strolled through the cemetery, the cold wind howling as I passed the graves of the unfortunate I'd once blessed. I wondered, after five years in my own deep grave, would my wife welcome me into my warm bed tonight? Ooh. That's a good one. I like that. And then my second one is, as I sat trembling, cold and alone, locked inside the crypt with the body, I didn't know which was more frightening, knowing there was no way out no matter how loudly I screamed, or hearing the voice of the rotting corpse inside the tomb whisper that it was less lonely here now that I'd given up. Jesus. Those are Man. good. And I think we all three went into like completely opposite directions. See, when I was writing them, I was thinking like, how, what could pack a punch? And I was like, oh, fucking with your body. Yeah. Right? You know, like instantly. It's like, oh, I don't want my teeth pulled. Or I don't want my eye gadged out. <laughs> <laughs> but yours is definitely uh, like creepier and more Halloween-y. Yeah, I, I think I went mine, more like an Edgar Allan Poe direction with mine. Yeah, oh, mine's, definitely. A, mine's a little less that. Um, so I wrote the three that I did that were based on other properties, and this one is one that I wrote for myself. The sound of her femur snapping echoed through the forest around the 10-mile marker of her off-season hike. She started regretting allowing her phone battery to die right about when the sound of snarling predators started to creep in from the darkness. Ooh, I, I, I'm feeling a little bit of a Frozen inspiration in that yeah, one. <laughs> There's no snow. <laughs> this is a hot summer day. Tell you, see, that should, that should have been a recommend from you. <laughs> I'm going to do it right, okay? I'm going to make it better. Taking it back. Those are all really, really nice good. Job. I'm excited to, to come back and, and take those snippets out because I want to go back and listen to a couple of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I had a lot of fun doing it, 
and it just I mean, I know we did it last year. I don't really remember. I don't remember what we did. I'd have to go back and listen to the to the episode. But I always sit down and I'm like, "There's no fucking way I can do it." And then I come up with something. I'm like, "That's the one. That's yep. how it is." Yeah, for mine, like I wrote the very basic idea, and then I went back and just like added spooky language. So I was like, "How can I take this very basic idea of like <laughs> of uh, of like I was wandering through the graveyard? Turns out I was dead the whole time, and like make it." <laughs> And like, you should have just read it just like that. <laughs> Turns out I was dead the whole time. Right? That was the. What's the deal with headstones? <laughs> yeah. Right. That was the idea, and then I was like, okay, how do I make that actually scary? All right. So that's going to wrap it up for our two sentence horror story segment. If there's any two sentence horror stories that you think are particularly creepy, or some that you've wrote yourself, then go ahead and send those our way. You can reach us at porcelainpeak.com, or you can hit us up on any of our socials. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We would love to hear some of your creepy sentence stories. So for the second part of our main discussion, we are going to dive into week three of our 31 Territories. Give it a fucking rest, you guys. <laughs> Poop. <laughs> All right, so this week we watched seven TV shows specifically Halloween special episodes. So we're going to mix things up a little bit this time. So instead of giving you recommends, we're just going to start off saying right now, we recommend all of these because it's a good time and it gets you in the mood. And sometimes when you're watching sitcoms and all that other shit, it's nice just to have a little Halloween episode thrown in. Yeah, they're short watches and it was nice for us to have a little bit of a break from watching some really intense longer movies. And, um, even just a few like 80 minute movies can start to wear on you a little bit. So it was really nice to take a little bit of a break. So these are really just uh, breather things breather. for you to check out and, and kind of give yourself a little stretch before you hop back into the next week. Exactly. And so we won't tell you recommendations, like I was saying. So we're just going to tell you, I guess, on a scale from one to five, how creepy we think they are. One being not creepy and five being stupid creepy. If anybody disagrees with my opinion on these, I will fight them with a knife. <laughs> i knew it was coming i knew it oh yeah that's a good point so since anthony's using his catchphrase i guess i should mention arrival <laughs> <laughs> ah fuck charles fuck <laughs> there we go we got them all in for this episode everybody <laughs> all right so the first one that we're going to talk about is from boy meets world this is going to be from season five and it's episode 17 and it's what was it called uh, and then there was sean and then there was sean Right, 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 right. So I had a lot of fun with this. I remember seeing it as a kid and being pretty freaked out by it. Obviously, now I'm super desensitized and yeah. didn't really do anything for me in the spooky department. But it was a lot of fun. And it references Scream a ton. Yeah. Right? And in my head, I'm thinking, I watched Boy Meets the World as a kid. I watched Scream as an adult. Those actually take place at the same time. Yeah. And so that was a super weird realization for me. Mm-hmm. Wait a second, Scream was out when this was on? <laughs> well, it was funny because to me it almost the episode almost seemed like a prototype scary movie. Like where they were doing the whole being referential to a movie that was referential type of thing. Um and I was like, Oh, is this where the Wayans got the idea for scary movie? <laughs> what was even referential to like uh South Park? Right. Yeah, very, very much a product of its time. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it does have some creepy stuff. We get this killer, and then they don't know what's going on, and 
and there's these elements where it's like, is it that guy? Is it that guy? And everybody dies. And it definitely makes fun of itself and really plays on the character's strengths and, and their weaknesses throughout the episode. And, and then, it, you know, typical Boy Meets World fashion packs a lesson into it at the end. Yeah. This is where my, like, my crush from Jen- for Jennifer Love Hewitt came in. I had a huge crush on her for so long. And it was, this is where it started. I was I was just about to say that that's another thing that dates this episode, but I didn't mind it because I think that she's gorgeous. But um, and her name was what like Jennifer Love Doofenshmirtz or something like that. Uh, 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 Pfefferman was the yeah. name. <laughs> Pfefferman, yeah. Um, <laughs> Doofenshmirtz, though, that's pretty close. <laughs> um, but yeah, like she even shows up in this, and and my memories of Boy Meets World are being. Uh, homesick and watching like reruns of Boy Meets World and Full House and Boy Meets World was a huge part of what made me imagine what like middle school and high school high school and college were going to be which I mean I can say now from experience that show lied to me but uh... <laughs> <laughs> there's no couch in the girls yeah bathroom. and I was never uh, chased around by a killer uh, with a skull mask in a murder mystery episode at my school during high school. So but the killer was also you the whole time. <laughs> Spoilers, John. <laughs> so she came out in the nineties. Come on. It was fun to kind of jump back into my childhood with a couple of these, not just this, but the one that we're going to talk about next too. like jump backwards and really feel it was something that I would have watched around Halloween time when I was a kid. And that's what I wanted out of this week was a lot more kind of uh, old school look backs at, some more classic, you know, and some of the stuff that we watched was more modern, but that this definitely felt like the warm fuzzies for me. Yeah, totally. Agreed. On a spooky scale, I'd say maybe a three. I was going for a three as well. Yeah, I'd say it's it's probably around a three. Um, in terms of my, like, would I recommend this as a Halloween classic that I'll watch next year? It's a four or a five. It's definitely one of the ones that we watched that you have to go back and rewatch every Halloween season. Yeah, so again, that's Boy Meets World, Season 5, Episode 17, and then there was Sean, and that's going to be a 3 on the spooky scale, so check it out for a nostalgia throwback. And speaking of, moving on to the next one, which we watched on the 16th, was a classic episode of Goosebumps, which was The Haunted Mask. Parts 1 and Part 2. This was the one that I wanted to talk about uh, the most. Goosebumps was a huge part of my childhood. Not only watching the television show, but specifically reading the books. So I had all of the source material. I read like the first 150 of those books as a child and was like all about it. I read all the Choose Your Own Scares ones. They were just excellent. This was the first foray into making a a televised version of this. So it was a two-part episode, and I don't remember where they aired it, but I know that they released it on VHS shortly after, and I had the VHS copy of it. Um, That's not how I watched it. (laughs) But uh, it's funny, Netflix kind of screwed it up, and they have, like, all, like, the single-release ones that they did to kind of start off the idea of doing, like, an actual, like, serialized season of it. Um, And they are listing it as, like, season five, when it's actually not that. But it's this was like the very first attempt, and I feel like they knocked it out of the park. Aside from some pretty cheesy '90s effects, but other than that, it was done really well. I felt like it was very well acted, and like some of the moments where the mask starts to kind of fuse with your skin are just super creepy. 
Right, yeah, and, and if you're a kid and you're watching this, there's definitely some creepy factors mm-hmm. to it. And that's what the show does really well, is a lot of times they don't pull punches for kids. I can't imagine being that young and watching this and being like, what the fuck? <laughs> I guess I don't have to imagine because I did it. Yeah. Well, and that was my... But this one was great. That was my exact experience with it. And I, if I wasn't going to talk about the show that I'm going to talk about later, um, because it's very near and dear to my heart, I would be talking about this because... I had the exact same experience. I had this two-parter on VHS, and um, even when I didn't have it, I was obsessed with Goosebumps. Um, I was reading the books voraciously. I used to have to hide the books in my backpack at night and keep them out of my room because I was afraid that the things from the covers would come alive and, like, eat me or, you know, the the monster ooze or the ghosts from Dead House would come out. monster's blood. Yeah, the monster blood. And so, like, (laughs) this, specifically the Haunted Mask, I remember... It was one of the first times that I remember wanting something as a Halloween costume. I wanted the mask from the, these episodes as my Halloween costume. and I Playing with fire, dog. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but that's the thing that I felt like the show did super, super well, especially for the budget that it had and the time, is that it shows like this and Are You Afraid of the Dark, they were scary specifically for kids. They're things that, looking back, we may, might not find spooky now. But Goosebumps was a huge part of why I'm even doing a podcast like this now and why I want to watch horror movies all the time is because of things like Goosebumps. I grew up being scared by those. And so going back and watching it, it's it's fun to make fun of like, oh, the show is so Canadian. And, you know, (laughs) I did remember that. That was the one thing that was lost in the ether of childhood. I did not remember the show being so fucking Canadian. He didn't know what that meant. Yeah, and like you talk about the the, really the effects and things, but I still remember how scary the idea of the mask becoming her skin and how that looked as a kid and and really buying into it and and yeah, the her going to the graveyard and like the, all the spookiness and even the little like twist ending with her brother scared the shit mm-hmm. out of me as a kid and I, I remember like hiding the VHS just like I did the books, thinking that the haunted mask was going to somehow come get me. And the thing that I felt like for my childhood was super underrated now looking at it, you know, with, you know, through the rose tinted glasses of adulthood um, was the little Arl Stein cameos before some of these segments. I loved that. He, you know, he just starts it. I was like, Oh, Hey, I'm Arl Stein. I wrote the goosebumps books. And like, that's something before people had real access to stars. Like, you didn't you didn't have like all these crazy abilities to see all the things that are going on with Stephen King's life because of the internet, you know? And this was before that time and being like, oh, like, hey, like he produced these things. He wanted to make this into something that was enjoyable for kids. I, I thought that that was something that was super cool looking back on it. Yeah, and I mean, he's a super weird looking guy too. So like as a kid, you mm-hmm. understand how somebody like that could come up with some scary shit for kids because he is a... He's an unfortunate looking dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's Stephen King's younger brother. Yeah. He's, he's, younger, he looks <laughs> younger, dumber brother. Yeah. Arl Stein looks like, Stephen I'm sorry, Arl Stein, if you're listening, but you look like you're wearing the haunted mask. Oh, rough. <laughs> rough. <Ooh. laughs> All right. So then. Come at me, Stein. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on oh. to the spooky rating. I would say. This is tough because if you're a kid, I would say four. I mean, if you're an adult, no. But, yeah, I'm going to go four with it because it was pretty creepy. 
Yeah, I, w- I was going to say four, four and a half. It gets close to a five just because I have too much nostalgia mixed up in it. Like, it still creeps me out because I'm remembering how much it creeped me out when I was a kid. Yeah, for me and for that specific reason, it's a full five for me. Yeah, I think that if you're looking for an entry point to start to get your children to dabble in horror, I think that these are a good place to start. They're not super crazy scary, but like I said, the atmosphere and the the world building it's all done really well and all of the stories kind of have a moral to them so there's also like the like the childification of it i guess that's a terrible word but (laughs) i think that that's where this type of a thing will shine yeah Yeah, definitely all right so again that's goosebumps the haunted mask and that's between a four and a five on the spooky scale from porcelain peak so then let's go on to what we watched on the 17th. And this one was such a good time. And I had never seen any of these before. So that is The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror 5. This one's on Hulu, if you have Hulu. <laughs> and man, what a cool episode. I had yeah. never seen any of these. And I was very interested to see what they were going to be like. And again, they they add a lot of spookiness and a lot of gore to them. And they don't really pull any punches on any of them. And so this one's split up into three segments. We get one that's The Shining. Yeah. And then we get... <laughs> the a, Shinning. We're not trying to get sued. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious, right? And then we had one about time travel that wasn't too spooky. And then we had one about kids getting grown up into food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty fucked up. So, I mean, overall, I had a really good time with it. Did you guys have fun with this one? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a very similar experience with The Simpsons and The Treehouse of Horror um, that I did with Goosebumps. It means so much to me whenever I go back and watch any Simpsons, but specifically Treehouse of Horror. Um, I grew up on The Simpsons. I was actually talking to a couple of my coworkers today who are, you know, 15, 20 years older than me, and they were like, yeah, I grew up with The Simpsons too. That's how long it's been around. <laughs> and, um, and we were just talking about Treehouse of Horror, and I go back to them every year. I'll go back and I'll I'll find all of the episodes and I'll watch them because I love that they just take The Simpsons and they put them in these little anthology specials where mm-hmm. the characters can die, they can mutate, they can turn inside out, anything can happen, and it doesn't affect the rest of the show. Um, but I remember specifically going to like Burger King when I was a kid, and they would have Treehouse of Horror toys with your happy meals so i remember getting like a little bart simpson dressed as a skeleton and i and getting the little simpsons lunch pail and unfortunately that whole thing ended when my grandparents decided that the simpsons was too adult for me and Mm -hmm. cut me off but i did get enough time as a kid to have a lot of nostalgia for this show so going back and watching an older episode where the animation's not as polished and the simpsons hadn't been around for eons to where it had started losing quality i thought this was a really tight episode um and each story I felt was short, sweet, a little bit spooky, um, and and the whole thing was really well done. And I I love just going back and and seeing this show that has influenced so much comedy these days um, do its little horror riff. Yeah, and another thing I really like too, which um, I don't know if it's what they do with all the episodes, but they changed all the names in the credits mm-hmm. to have like a spooky element to it, and I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, they do that um, in all of the Treehouse of Horror. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as Anthony. I don't really have a huge tie to The Simpsons. Uh, so it was definitely kind of like getting to dabble in that a little bit 
And I feel like if you are a big horror fan, I feel like if you're looking for an opportunity and an entry point to get into the Simpsons, that the Treehouse of Horror options are something that will give you kind of that type of humor without like spoiling any of like the potential overarching stories, which I know there isn't like a whole lot of one, but it is something that gives you that type of humor kind of in bite-sized pieces. Uh, but also gives you kind of those spooky elements too, which is something I, as an outsider looking in, I really enjoyed. Yeah. So then let's go ahead and give it a spooky rating. So again, this is for Simpsons Treehouse of Horror five. And I would say as far as spooky goes, I'd probably say a two on this one. Not saying that this episode was bad in that way. Cause again, we're not rating these in that kind of a scale, just the spookiness. Cause I loved the episode. I thought it was great. But as far as spookiness goes, I would say a two. Yeah, I would say that it probably falls somewhere around a two or a three for me. It's another one that it, it gets bumped up a little bit by my nostalgia. Um, I definitely felt like, especially like the third one with the kids being ground up and everything, actually was a little bit mm-hmm. spooky because of the way they animate some of the adult characters um, was creepy. But yeah, I would say that um, as an adult, it's more just I would recommend it highly as something to go back and watch around Halloween time. Yeah, I'm saying based on the final segment of it, I would give the whole episode a three. I obviously love the throwback to The Shining. And uh, this, well, the second one, there was a little bit of a flat moment as far as like some of the storytelling. I do feel like the third one was like legitimately creepy. And like if I were a young kid watching that when it came out, I would be pretty freaked out by it. So I I'm, I'm think a three is probably pretty fair. All right, cool. So between yeah. a two and a three for The Simpsons on the spookiness. So let's go on to what we watched on the 18th, and we'll talk about this one pretty quickly. So this was an episode of Community, and it's also on Hulu if you want to check it out. So it's called Epidemiology. Epidemiology. (laughs) Epidemiology. And that one's from season two. So this one is essentially everyone becomes zombies. And Community, again, is a comedy, and they always do really weird shit, so I'm not surprised that they tackled an episode like this. But it was it was cool because, I mean, you get to see some blood and you get to mm-hmm. see people biting some shit. So I, I thought it was rad as far as like a zombie version of this goes. Obviously, they tweak it to make it work where it's like rancid meat or some <laughs> shit, right? Like radioactive meat that turns everybody into flesh monsters. But what are you going to do? Yeah. I loved Community for a long time. And it was something that I watched a lot of. Um, and it definitely has the benefit of having... Uh, uh, Donald, uh, Donald Glover in it and on top of that it has more of an adult crush of mine uh, Allison Brie so can't really complain about those things um, but they did a really good job of making something that was kind of funny and irreverent as community can be but also adding some of the horror elements to it I really enjoyed that a lot yeah I think um, community was a show that I used to be into um, I was a huge fan and something that I found that I'll probably talk a little bit more about also like with some of the other episodes that we talk about is it's really cool to jump into these shows in random points and see kind of where they are with the cast and with the comedy and, and how those shows have changed over time. Um, but with this episode, I felt like it had the solid, like complete cast and it did like the Treehouse of horror thing where it had a, a bottle episode where it didn't affect the rest of the plot. They mm-hmm. kind of erased the whole thing in the end Um, but when community decides to do an episode that is a bottle episode, like their paintball episodes and things like that, they really go for it. And they have the special effects. They do the creepiness. They go for the Halloween vibe. 
And this one really stuck the landing for me. I think it's one of the the better, like, just Halloween-themed episodes of the shows that we watched. Yeah. Um, and and it's it was genuinely really, really funny. I mean, it, with the little, I'm George Takei stuff, you know, that, that you can't really beat. <laughs> you can't really beat some of the weird, idiosyncratic things that Community decided to do when it was around and when it was good. And so I think that it's definitely a show that, it was fun to go back and revisit and, and a good Halloween episode. Yeah. So let's go ahead and give it a spooky score. I would say a four from me for this one because it is, it's pretty much just a horror episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say a solid, solid four for me. It, there were definitely points where I was spooked. I, especially toward the end when Troy is trying to get through and he's all the zombies are getting around him and everything. And he's got his suit all broken. <laughs> I, I was like, <laughs> I'm just remembering the lines now, and it's it's a very memorable episode. I'm also in the four camp. All right, cool. So, again, that's community epidemiology. We are giving it a solid four on the spooky scale. All right, so then we watched on the 19th an episode of Blackish titled The Purge from season three. So, definitely straight comedy on this mm -hmm. one. But, I mean, I used to watch this show and then stopped and went back and watched it. And kind of like what you were saying, Anthony, where you just jump into these random episodes and this show is pretty damn funny. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, this episode, um, actually got me, I told you guys, it got me on a binge of watching episodes of blackish. This was the episode on our list that I was looking the least forward to because I haven't seen blackish in a really long time. And I didn't know if I would still like it as much as when I originally watched it. But after I watched that episode, they have a whole playlist um, on Hulu, I think, where it's showing, or Amazon, that's just the Johnson Family Halloween. And I ended up going back and watching all of their Halloween specials after this because mm. I thought the episode was so funny. Yeah, and especially with the character that is supposed to be dead. <laughs> oh, my God. So good. Just the so whole time. Oh, that... But I'm not really dead. <laughs> <laughs> the whole pranking plot line is a through line that goes through like all of their Halloween episodes, and it's such a good plot line, and they really, really drive it home with the comedy in this one and that character um is so fucking funny it's ridiculous yeah every time he's just like but i'm just a, just to double check i'm, I'm not actually dead <laughs> it's, it's so funny yeah so um great episode highly recommend it as far as spookiness goes i'd probably say a two at the most yeah i'm going a solid one yeah, it's like a 1, 1. 1.5 maybe on the spookiness scale. Um, but in terms of comedy, I think it was probably one of the funniest things we watched this last week. Agreed. Yeah, 100%. So again, that's an episode of Blackish titled The Purge from Season 3. And we're going between a 1 and a 2 on a spooky scale, but we all highly recommend it. All right, so then episode of Supernatural is next. So this was The Great Pumpkin, Sam Winchester. And this one we watched on the 20th, and this one is about these guys, these two brothers, tracking down some witches. And it's pretty um, on par with Supernatural. I mean, it's it, them hunted monsters. They kind of do the monster of the week type thing. And this one has a lot of cool elements to it where it's like you don't really know who is it coming from. And it kind of plays with your expectations a little bit, too, because typically you think of witches, you think of women. Mm. And this one ended up being a dude. Spoilers. <laughs> Well, sort of. Right, yeah. <laughs> but it, it does come into this, like, the supernatural-averse 
uh, in like the what many what many people consider to be like the prime territory of supernatural, being you know between season one and five. And uh, well, I'm not necessarily in that camp. I enjoy the majority of supernatural, even some of the newer seasons. It is something where the episode is really well done. It's something that you can watch separate from the show because it does have that kind of flavor of the week kind of feel to it. But it also has the overarching like story that's tied into it. You get, you know, scenes with Castiel and all the, you know, the angels and demons and all that shit, you know, that was really prevalent before we get to like the apocalyptic shit in season five. Yeah. I would say as somebody who is really, I don't want to say not a fan of Supernatural. I, I'm just someone who's never given it the time of day. I've watched a few episodes here and there and thought that, you know, it's something that I would be into. And it's just, it's too much for me in terms of trying to get into it. So, I mean, eventually, if I'm sick, I'm out of work, it's something I'll get around to. But jumping into this was, like I was saying earlier, it was interesting to jump into a point in a show where there's established mythology and you're seeing where some of that stuff is starting to come in. Like, I had no idea. They're talking about, Dean going to hell and they're talking about Sam having his like demon powers. And then I know Castiel, I know just from like Tumblr fandoms that he's a big character that becomes a huge fandom character as the show goes on. So the mythology stuff, like it was kind of interesting to see that starting to take shape and get more complicated, but it's not really what interested me about the episode. I just really liked the monster of the week thing. I, I like witches. I especially liked, the little things that twisted on classic Halloween stuff, like the eating the candy and having the razor blades, that scene inside the guy's mouth when he's pulling the razor blade out like that. I was cringing the entire time it was happening. And then like the bobbing for apples and then the water boiling, like when they took Halloween, like classic urban legend type stuff, which I feel like the show that's where the show is the strongest is when it's adapting urban legend type stuff was where I really thought, okay, I could get into supernatural because this stuff is really cool. Right. And and same with, covering your face to mask yourself from Sam Hain so that he doesn't see you, so he doesn't kill you. Yeah, I think that yeah. this particular episode had some of the scariest moments, probably aside from the one we're going to talk about next. Yeah, and I would say, I mean, we can go ahead, I guess, and rate this one on a spooky scale, because um, these last two episodes, I think, are the ones that are really going to like hit a higher mark on the spooky scale, since they are a little bit more adult-oriented. Um, for me, I'd say, yeah, it was probably like a a 4 to a 4.5 on the spooky scale. i go 5 on this one. I it think was straight horror. Yeah, I think with the with the razor blade scene specifically, the, it's, it's easy 5 for me. Cool. So, again, that's an episode of Supernatural from Season 4, Great Pumpkin, Sam Winchester. And that's going to be between a 4 and a 5 from us. All right. So, the last one that we'll talk about is going to be an episode of Buffy. And that one is titled Fear Itself. That one is from season four. And if you have Hulu, it's on there. Yeah, so this is the one that I wanted to talk about a little bit more because I feel like I'm, as as seen by the fact that I've uh, we've posted on our socials me wearing my Buffy shirt, I'm kind of the resident uh, Buffy fan in the group. Um, I love Buffy. I will go back and rewatch it any chance that I get. So rewatching this episode was a lot of fun for me. And... As opposed to Supernatural, where that episode came at a point in the series where things were maybe a little bit high, season four for Buffy is actually where I feel like it lulls, and this episode hits right before I feel like some really like bad parts of Buffy start to happen, <laughs> at, before the show 
before the show picks up again. So I got kind of nervous when I was watching the previously on and going like, oh, no, this is where she goes to college. The show sucks for a while. <laughs> Everyone knows college is for fools. <laughs> yeah, right. But this episode actually ended up being really good. And I, I love the dialogue in Buffy. That's what sells the show um, for me. And the dialogue is just spot on. And some of the comedic moments mixed in with some actually really good horror. The way it plays into the individual fears of each character. There's some really spooky like haunted house moments that happen throughout the episode where I felt like this one hit the highest in, in terms of the spooky mark, but you get that really strong dialogue. You get Xander with his quips, you get Giles being kind of the goofy father figure. Um, you know, and you have Seth green in there. Cause it, this is around the time when he started to become bigger in the show before he eventually kind of phased out. Uh, it's a really, really good show. And, and this episode just reminded me of that. I liked the line with Seth green cause he played, God was his Halloween costume, mm. and then he fixes a light or something, and then Guffy, Buffy's like, oh, thank God. And he's like, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> that should have you rolling. Oh, man. Yeah, and again, it, it plays on the individual fears, and so I really like that, too. If you are familiar with the show, then I'm sure it means a lot more, and if you aren't familiar with the show, then you kind of understand where these characters are coming from, right? Where they have these insecurities, and now you're getting to see those displayed on screen, and it was a really it was it was a good time. I feel like it's a good time to talk about these things because we've also been talking a lot about haunts and that sort of thing and having this kind of be like a haunt gone awry due to like creatures and stuff. I think that that was a really super cool concept and I think it was very timely based on the discussions we've been having about wanting to go do haunts and go see all these cool things. I felt like that was just really well timed for us. Yeah, and you didn't really know where the spooks were going to come from. Yeah, it was giving me some real um, Hell House flashbacks. I was starting to sweat a little bit thinking about Hell House because it was that whole, like, it was like, what if you went into a haunt and then the haunt killed you? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it you get you have to get through a little bit of the beginning of the episode where it is kind of trying, it is does a little bit of, like, Buffy's in a spot romantically because of things that are happening in the rest of the show. And if you get through that first, like, five to ten minutes of the episode that are set up then the rest is perfect to jump into if you have no idea because it really doesn't have any mythology beyond that it's not like there really aren't any vampires that are being slayed or anything like that it's really just <laughs> oh is that what she does yeah i mean yeah like buffy's out of her element everybody's kind of out of their element and you get little tidbits of important character things like you know the buffy she talks about patrolling because she's the vampire slayer um then you have Seth Green's character being a werewolf, which is something that is a big character point for him. And Willow, um, Allison Hannigan's character, like starting her witchcraft, which becomes a huge, huge part of the show as it goes on. So you start to get little tidbits. So really, if you jumped into the show here and, and kept going, I wouldn't recommend it because, like I said, season four is not that good. But um, you get a little bit of each character enough to understand why the things that they're afraid of are the things they're afraid of. Yeah, that's definitely understandable for sure. And like like you said, if you jumped in, you could still continue this to the end from this point, but it would definitely be better to go back and get the full picture, you know, get to see these characters from where they started. And talk about yeah. that twist ending. I did not see that oh. coming. <laughs> 
I had hilarious. I had completely forgotten about that, and as soon as I realized, like I remembered what was going to happen, and I started busting up laughing. I yeah. thought it was so funny. I was like, dude, they don't have any time left. This episode's already almost over. How the fuck have they not? <laughs> Just a little little tiny guy. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. So spooky. I think I'll go a five on this one. I agree. Yeah, this one's a five for me as well. Cool. So again, that's an episode of Buffy from season four called Fear Itself, and we are fives all around on that one. All right, so that's going to be the end of our discussion for the 31 Terror Tales. Still doing it. You're not going to get me to stop and do it. <laughs> and then we will continue this next week. So next week is going to be our last week of new movies. After that, we're going to finish off our Terror Tales with some classics. And we will still talk about those as well. So we're going to start off the week with The Changeling. This is going to be the one from 1980. That's very important. Not the one with Angelina Jolie. <laughs> if you see Angelina Jolie, you've gone too far. Um, if you want to check this out, it is available on YouTube, it looks like. And it's on Shudder. So you can watch it by itself. Or you can watch the Joe Bob Briggs version. That's like three hours long. So if you got that kind of time, <laughs> dive in. I would say skip past the first ten minutes though, because he goes on a rant about whiskey. <laughs> yeah, if it if you're like me and you love Joe Bob Briggs, then it's really worth it. If you have three hours to kill and you really want to hear him just talk the shit up about whiskey and tell you some history about Texas and stuff like that, it's worth it. I watch that version um, when I get a chance. Um, I watch any version with Joe Bob Briggs, but yeah, if you want to just go straight into the movie, um, I, I definitely don't fault you on that, but you have a lot of options available. Right. So then if you want to see the rest of the list for the week, go ahead and head over to Instagram and you can see what else we're going to be watching. And we hope you guys are following along and let us know what you think of our list and what stuff you're watching. We've given, getting some good feedback about stuff that people are watching and checking out other people's lists. And it's been a really good time this year around. And we had a user who, um, who tagged us today actually as a, as a recording on Instagram saying that they took our recommendation to watch the barn. Oh, nice. Did they say they liked it or disliked it? I, I, I don't think they'd finished. I think they were just starting it. Ah, uh, cool. That's tight. That's yeah. what I want to see. And it's a fun they, ass movie. They better not start a competing uh, podcast where they say their opinions on the barn because we have a monopoly. <laughs> we have a monopoly on podcasts about opinions on the barn. Yep. <laughs> All right, so then let's go ahead and jump into our watch list. Patrick, what is it? Where are you going? I've got to return some video tapes. So keeping in with the theme of today's episode, actually, there's a show that is recently added to Netflix, and that one is called Two Sentence Horror Stories. <laughs> we watched a couple of episodes uh, while we were pining over the fact that Anthony's in Tennessee, and uh, some of them were all right. <laughs> um, so what it is 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 they take two sentence horror stories that have already been written and they give you the first line and then it shows you the episode and then at the end of the episode it gives you the second line and so that's kind of cool to see where they go from that first line and how it kind of morphs into the finale of the two sentence horror story um, I believe it's a CW show so it's not super great but <laughs> <laughs> But it, I, there was a few episodes where I was like, all right, this is rad. I think especially the second one, you get to see some stuff coming out of people's eyes, and there's some weird body horror with a lot of it. And some of them have some messages to them, and some of them are better than others. But the season, the first season's on there, so I would definitely recommend checking that out. 
I was going to say, it definitely made my Google searches for two-sentence horror stories a little bit more difficult now that that shows out. <laughs> I know, right? That was my problem, too. Um, the other thing I wanted to recommend, we mentioned it a little bit earlier, was Happy Death Day to You. So I saw that it was on HBO, and I was sitting down trying to figure out what to watch. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll do something a little bit more lighthearted. <laughs> and... It did not disappoint. If you are a fan of the first one, I re- highly I'm recommend so this one. I'm so glad too. to hear you say that because I'm ready to watch it. I initially yeah, wasn't awesome. a huge fan of the first one, and then I went back and watched it, and I was like, okay, now that I know what I'm getting myself into, I'm into this. And this one doesn't lean heavily on the slasher stuff like the first one does, where it is much more of a groundhog slasher movie. Mm-hmm. This one kind of takes the idea and goes a little bit weirder and in a more comedic version. Um, but I thought it was, I thought it was a good time. It, it works, and it really feels like the perfect companion to the first one. So I'd be interested for you guys to check it out, because I know you guys are both fans of the first one. Oh, yeah, I loved the first one. Yeah. And I want to see what you guys think. That's really awesome to hear. Yeah. I'm excited to watch yeah. it. So that's it for me as far as watch this goes. I had a bunch of bonuses this week. I was sick and sat down and watched Universal Monster movies all, nice. all the whole day, and it was great. That is That is not a bad way to spend a week. Yeah. <laughs> what about you guys? Uh, yeah, so uh, my recommendation, I actually have one that is horror-related that I'm super excited to talk about, and it is going to come out of left field because I did not know this existed until a podcast that I listened to called um, The Weekly Planet made a reference to it, but it's a show that where you can find all six episodes on YouTube. It's called Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Uh, this show is an absolute gem. Uh, it came back. It came out a few years ago, and basically the premise is uh, this guy Garth Marenghi. He is a Stephen King esque kind of pulp horror writer. Mm. He's got a huge ego. He's he's this like racist kind of like asshole guy who's written a ton of these horror stories, and he's doing kind of a look back with him and his producer and one of the actors to a show they made back in the eighties called Dark Place that takes place at a hospital called Dark Place Hospital. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so uh, basically the premise is it's a, it's this goofy 80s throwback hospital drama where half the dialogue is dubbed over in dramatic fashion where strange things happen each episode. So there's an episode where um, there are mutant eyeball creatures that um, sexually violate one of the male nurses and birth... <laughs> birth an, an eye mutant that the main doctor takes a liking to there's an episode where there's a green mist that comes into the hospital that starts turning the woman one of the doctors loves into a broccoli woman oh my god um so it's more of a comedy yeah yeah so it's definitely a comedy um it doesn't hit anything on the spooky scale but it knows that and it it's interspersed with basically like documentary as commentary by garth Marenghi and his producer and all them talking about the making of the show. Um, it came out on DVD. It didn't have a huge uh, release or critical reception, but it's a mega, mega fan favorite. There are people that have watched the show a million times. You can get through it in two hours. There are these 20-minute episodes on YouTube. You can find the whole thing on there. But it is. it had me rolling on the floor, and it involves a lot of the guys from uh, the IT crowd, what we do in the shadows. Um, it... It's all these New Zealanders Sold. who, yeah, and Sold. yeah, and it's amazing. It, I found it while I was here, and it took up an entire evening for me of just watching that, and then watching all of the supplemental 
supplementary material because they have all of these little side interviews um, with the actors, except for the the female actor who has a backstory involved where after the making of the show, she is disappeared and presumed dead. And then they say most likely dead and buried. And um, (laughs) (laughs) so she doesn't show up in any of the bonus features. Yeah. And so she doesn't show up in any of the bonus features and um, it's hilarious. And so I spent an entire evening just watching it. Yeah. I would highly recommend it to anyone who's into this kind of spoof eighties comedy horror stuff. And if you like the it crowd or what we do in the shadows, you're going to be rolling on the floor laughing. It's, it's a, it's a joke a minute. It's, I wanted to take a video of every joke, but there were just too many. <laughs> you just send us all six episodes. <laughs> yeah, right, basically. Yeah, I mean, you're, uh, you're pitching it to the right crowd. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so for me, I was going to recommend a subsection of a YouTube channel. So there's a popular YouTuber by the name of Jesse Cox, and he does a uh, weekly release of an episode from a group that he gets to kind of a power group of YouTubers um, who do a scary game squad. So they have a few adult beverages and they play, it's a group of four people and they play horror games. Um, I would specific, specifically recommend either to watch their until dawn playthrough, um, their resident evil seven or resident evil two remake playthroughs. Uh, those are probably the big highlights for me, but they've played a whole bunch of different games and they, they are, hysterical but like i said it also has the horror component because you're getting to watch them play the game so specifically if you don't have those particular systems to play some of those games might not be a terrible way to get the story from them so that you got kind of the experience as well with a few guys who have a great time have a few drinks and make jokes at each other's expense sounds like us (laughs) pretty much So definitely sounds like something that you would be really into, but also something that I would be really into. So I'm super excited to check it out. That sounds cool. I'll send you the link after we finish recording. <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> All right. So that's going to be the end of the watch list. And that is going to wrap it up for this week. Hope you guys enjoyed our 31 territory. Come at me, R.L. Stein. <laughs> Night fight. part three specifically and we will dive into part four with you guys next week so go ahead and check that out and as always thank you guys so much for listening keep it creepy you can find porcelain peak on apple podcasts google play store tune in stitcher spotify and if you're going to listen to PodCoin, don't forget to use the code PORCELAIN. That's P-O-R-C-E-L-A-I-N for 300 free coins. Wherever you listen, don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe so you never miss a spine-tingling episode. Don't forget to follow us at Porcelain Peak on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or check us out on PorcelainPeak.com for additional content. Special thanks to Randy Greer for writing and producing our intro song, and to Anthony Silva, we're designing the Porcelain Peak logo. This has been here for this fair weirdos production.